So I would encourage school leaders who are listening right now, focus on the mental well-being and health of your teachers, your students, your parents. You're doing triage work right now, but pay close attention to what this period has revealed. Did you witness more student compassion or less student compassion? Did you witness more collaboration among your teachers or less? Tragedy reveals really what you are. It's not a time to build who reveals who you are. Greetings, leaders. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Leadership Is Podcast, episode 42, with our special guest, Dr. Anthony Muhammad. Today, we're talking about the Educational Leadership Challenge, COVID-19 and school growth. The impact of COVID-19 has been huge in schools across the nation, but the question is, how does educational leadership respond during this time of crisis? Let's talk about it. Welcome to Leadership Is Podcast. The Educational Leadership Challenge, COVID-19, and School Growth with our special guest, Dr. Anthony Muhammad. Dr. Anthony Muhammad is one of the most sought-after educational consultants in North America. He currently serves as the CEO of New Frontier 21 Consulting, a company dedicated to providing cutting-edge professional development to schools all over the world. Dr. Muhammad is recognized as one of the field's leading experts in the areas of school culture and organizational climate. His work has allowed him to work with schools in all 50 states, also in Canada, the Caribbean, South America, Europe, Australia, and New Zealand. He is also the best-selling author of books such as The Will to Lead and The Skill to Teach, Transforming Schools at Every Level, Transforming School Culture, how to Overcome Staff Division, A Time for a Change, and many more. Please welcome Dr. Anthony Muhammad to the podcast. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate the invitation, and I'm excited to be able to share with you and your listeners. Absolutely. Yes, sir. I have followed you, man, for quite a while and have looked at some of the dynamic work that you've done uh, You know, with some of your talks and definitely some of your books. I was working as a Dean of Students uh, in a progressive middle school in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You may have heard mm-hmm. of it, uh, the Best Academy, and there with okay. yeah with Eric Mahmood. And so someone brought me your book, and uh, he was actually the assistant principal. And he and I used to dissect your book um, all mm-hmm. the time, the one about transforming uh, culture and dealing yes, with sir. staff differences, you know. And so definitely, I am familiar with your work. So uh, besides all of that mouthful that I just said, you know, tell us who you are and, and what you do. Okay. Well, you know, who I am and what I do, you know, are, are different. I am um, <laughs> a proud um, native of Flint, Michigan, and um, um, grew up in the great city of Flint and attended Michigan State University and um, proud father of, of six children and a lovely wife. Um, proud Muslim. Um, I spent eight years as a teacher. I taught middle school social studies and I spent 11 years as an administrator, two as an assistant and nine as a principal. Um, while serving as a principal, I uh, had the pleasure to lead a school that was considered a dropout factory. Um, mm. And we became a national blue ribbon school. 
And consequently, mm. in 2005, I was named the State of Michigan Principal of the Year. Um, started consulting full-time around 2007 uh, because the scope of the work had expanded. And other people were wondering, okay, if you could do it there, how could it happen? Where I ran into your, your, your colleague in, in Minnesota because um, it's <laughs> taken me all over the world. Yes, and uh, since, since then, I've formed my own company. I've had the pleasure now to write eight books. Mm. The eighth will be published in April of this year, which is the third edition of the classic professional learning communities book. And um, just had an opportunity to um, watch the field grow and evolve and tackle challenges and uh, while at the same time maintaining my responsibility as a husband and as a father and as a citizen. So it's been a charm life. I don't have a whole lot to complain about. <laughs> Absolutely. Sounds like it. Now, you know, as you said about Flint, Michigan, mm -hmm. you know, with uh, the water crisis that's there also with this, you know, COVID-19 thing. So how, how has, you know, all of that uh, affected your scope of work? Well, you know, just one, I want to just um, I, I live outside of Detroit now. Uh, okay. Flint's my hometown. But I, I just hate, I don't, you know, the notion that when you say Flint, people automatically think of water. Yeah, and Flint, yeah. Flint, Flint is the birthplace of General Motors. It's an iconic American city. Yes, and, sir. And uh, I grew up there during the height of the industrial boom. Uh, but unfortunately, like any city, if you rip 90% of its economy out, it's going to fall on hard times. When mm -hmm. I grew up there, it's about a quarter million people, now there's about 80,000. You do the math. People can't work and eat. Then they move. Right. Um, but um, so but COVID has affected everyone, um, yes, whether sir. you live in the Hollywood Hills or you live in Michigan or you live in the uh, Appalachians in West Virginia or on Jersey Shore. It's affected everybody. It's been an equal <laughs> opportunity right. disruptor. Um, That's and right. One of the blessings is. Is that. Um, when you lay the groundwork and you develop a reputation and you're ethical and people find what you share is useful, then the needs are still there. And I'm just as busy during the pandemic as I was before the pandemic, but about 90% of my work has gone virtual. Yes, so sir. I've had to develop a, a new skill set, which is the ability, because the, the learning is the same. I mean, the, the objectives are the same. The platform has changed. And now I have to try to simulate the type of experiences that I would give people face to face uh, through a, a virtual training, which requires, right. you know, set, um, the use of recorded video, the use of breakout rooms and virtual activities, because the goal is the same. You know, I'm not trying to, um, uh, you know, really produce a, a different lane. It's just a new avenue to the same lane. So when, when the, the dust settles, I'm really looking forward to the fact that I've created a new avenue for my company and work that I'll be able to still do both uh, once the pandemic is over uh, because the demand has been the same. It's a little cheaper. I don't charge as much when I don't have to travel, but the profit margins are about the same. So it's given yes, me a sir. chance to be at home more and grow 200 days a year and be here for a lot of the experiences at home, but still continue to, pep to, to push um, 
the ideologies and the, the messages of my work. Um, but I still am looking forward to, you know, when it's safe, the opportunity to engage with face-to-face too. Yes, sir. You know, people carry energy and it's difficult to gauge energy through a virtual platform. You have to be very disciplined, but just the natural flow of energy that comes from a live audience. That's what I miss. So, you know, God willing, when this is over, I will have expanded my business, uh, still people that want that face-to-face experience, but then people, especially in like rural rural areas, I don't have to, you know, some places you go and it's, you know, place and it's two hour drive. Um, this virtual platform has opened it up that they could, they could get services, but I don't have right. to stress myself and strain myself with really tumultuous travel. Um, right. And it's opened up new markets and I'm working with districts. Uh, I had a, an issue uh, in Canada um, with a, a work permit and I kind of got in an argument with the border and they put me on the, like a ban list. I've been doing a whole lot of business in Canada. They can't ban me over the airways. Um, uh, they put me on the, I, I, I can get in, but they take me through this line of questioning once you have an incident with a border agent. Uh, yeah. So now I can, but still I'm working with schools in Canada again. So it, it's been a good thing uh, from a business good. standpoint, now, obviously not from a health standpoint. Right. We lost almost a half a million people, but from a business standpoint, it's forced me into innovating. Yes, sir. And see, you know, uh, Dr. Anthony, one of the things that I teach is the three mindsets of next generation leaders. Mm -hmm. And the three mindsets are adapt, innovate and connect. And what you just told me right now, you have actually demonstrated uh, all three of those next generation mindsets, because, you know, again, the change that took place, as you call it, an equal opportunity disruptor, Mm -hmm. uh, this COVID-19 definitely has caused some of us to have to adapt. And then from that, uh, from that adaption, then there's the innovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from that innovation, you got to connect with the people, right? In order for you to keep your level of service and your KPIs and your mission statements and core values um, alive. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a wonderful example, what you just gave there with how you're continuously keeping your service uh, to the people uh, going, even though, you know, some, some physical conditions have changed. And, you, and um, you, you have to, you become irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great, great perspective, sir. So tell me something. What is your definition of leadership? A, a John Maxwell-esque kind of definition with a twist. Um, <laughs> John Maxwell describes leadership as influence. Um, I like to kind of, I think it's a little bit more complex than that. Um, leadership is about increasing productivity. Mm. And Maxwell's statement is more that influence, it's kind of assumed, but my premise is the only reason that a person, because a pe- person doesn't have to follow you. It's a choice. They don't have to. They make right. a choice to follow somebody. And the only logical reason that a person will follow somebody else, let them lead them, is that by being led by that person or group of people, I become better off. Mm. So leadership is about a value add. It's not about charisma or authority. It's about are people better off because of your presence? And if they're not, then you're really not leading. You're really just, you're 
exhibiting authority. But if people are better off because of your presence, then they don't need to be coerced. They don't need to be oppressed. They don't need to be uh, cajoled. They'll follow you because they see a benefit in doing so. So, yes, sir. Which breaks down into some complex uh, things. And you have to kind of understand what people need and be able to serve them in a way um, that meets their needs, but also help them raise expectations for themselves, even when they don't want to. Uh, Because Mm. it's really, when you break it down simply, um, I can't be a good reading teacher if kids aren't reading better because of my instruction. What justifies me is is that students are going to read better because of my influence. We see it in sport. Yes, sports. If I become the new coach of the the, the Pistons and they're not doing any better and after giving me an opportunity to use my influence, then I I lose my utility. So any leader that considers himself a leader, um, are people getting better? Are are the Hmm. indicators that things are more productive, that things are more robust because of your presence? And if things are just stagnant, you're not a leader, you're a manager. Managers kind of walk on pins and needles, hoping not to mess things up. Just keep things the status quo. It's not a leader. Uh, mm-hmm. And obviously, if your organization regresses, you've given moral authority to lead. So what ju- wow. justifies a leader or leadership is that people are better off because of your presence. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent, man. That is that is excellent. So, you know, one of the things that I say um, at the end of uh, the podcast is, you know, leadership is influence and service Mm -hmm. Uh, that and and that's what I believe it is. So, yeah, again, as you say, John Maxwell S. But, uh, you know, with an addition uh, to it or with a little twist to it. So that's that's excellent, sir. Thank you. Um, So tell me something, Dr. Anthony, how can school leadership adapt, innovate, and connect solutions, uh, you know, to, to students or for students and parents and stakeholders in terms of school growth during this pandemic? Okay. Well, I want to address emergencies. Um, I've done a lot of uh, research in the area of, of emergency or tragic tragedy-laced leadership. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the research on that is pretty clear. They're doing a tragedy or an emergency. Organizations don't make progress. At Mm. best, they maintain status quo. An emergency is not a time to really innovate or or express a vision. You hold on during an emergency. An example I like to use Mm. is that if I can't swim and you drop me off in the middle of a lake, that's not the time to learn how to swim. That's going to reveal whether I can swim or not. And if I'm fortunate enough, I I, I tread water to the edge of the lake. I need to learn from that experience. So I would encourage school leaders who are listening right now, focus on the mental well-being and health of your teachers, your students, your parents. You're doing triage work right now. But pay close attention to what this period has revealed. Did you witness more student compassion or less student compassion? Did you witness Mm. more collaboration among your teachers or less? Tragedy reveals really what you are 
It's not a time to build. It reveals who you are. So if mm. I can't swim, it revealed the fact that I couldn't swim. I could hide it when it wasn't a tragedy, but you can't hide during a tragedy. So all the research on leadership during a tragedy, almost like 9-11, you know, it's, it's, and this is where, you know, Donald Trump failed, is it's to help people feel stable during a tragedy and help yeah. them get through the tragedy, but then learn the lesson during that tragedy about where you may need to improve because a lot is going to be revealed. So what I'm finding is that during this period of time, a lot of covert bias and counterproductive ideologies have been revealed that need to be addressed. We always knew they were there, but people could hide them if it wasn't overt. But all you have to do is go to Twitter yeah. and follow a thread of educators. You hear more vitriol about parents now than you've ever heard. Hear more vitriol mm. about these kids are so low, they don't care, they won't log in. People being frustrated about the needs of their clientele. We always knew it existed. But if you're a leader and you're listening, this, this pandemic pulled the cover off of it. You're seeing it for what it really is. That yeah. we say in our society, particularly in education, that we're egalitarian and we truly care about every student's development. And we're seeing that when people are stressed and frustrated, some of their truest feelings are coming out. Now, when we get safely to shore, don't wink at that and put a cover back over it. You just have permission now to engage your people in some deep, crucial conversations. And it, it helps explain why we have this stagnant achievement gap. It explains disparities we see in opportunities. It explains disparities that we see in, in achievement and growth because of damaging mindsets. This pandemic yeah. is revealing that. Yeah. So this may not be the yeah. right time to confront it because people are just treading water. But once this is over, there's a whole lot of hypocrisy we got to talk about. Wow. So I, I would tell those leaders who are listening, don't, don't rush to be, uh, to create whole new systems during a pandemic. Cause it's going to be over. Some of the social norms will go back, but take note of what you're seeing during an emergency. Mm. So that as you go back to the kind of a new normal, you'll take advantage of what this pandemic has revealed and you'll grow from it. If you say, I'm glad this is over and you, you ignore all the ugly things you saw come out. Your, the fact that you'd ignored it is almost giving it permission. Take note of, of what's working well and what's not working well so you can offer different pathways because some students who have been bullied didn't feel seen at school, they may choose this virtual platform. And if you don't wanna lose your students to charters who do all virtual or others, you have to find pathways to engage students on multiple platforms, face-to-face -face as well as virtual. So that's all I wanted to say. Yeah, no, and that's excellent because I've done some research as well and looked at, uh, you know, how companies, organizations have gone to the virtual platform and how, you know, amazingly how it has increased, you know, I, you know how it has increased uh, a workplace mm -hmm. culture. So do you think that, you know, this 
this whole pandemic is, you know, how is it affecting? I'm, I know we're kind of going off script here a little bit, but, you know, again, you, 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 you raise such uh, or you give such a, a, a deep, deep thought, um, deep provoking, you know, thought provoking answer. So how does uh, this whole thing affect school culture, you know, uh, overall? Well, it's revealing school culture. What the things that were being uh-huh. hidden uh-huh. just kind of coming to the forefront. Um, but but yeah, yeah, students are they have a social need that's different than an accountant or a government worker. Um, so the development of school culture, the clientele that they serve in a lot of the business, private sector, that those are adults and adults. School culture is missing the component of the face-to-face, person-to-person connection with students, which show that teacher-student relationship is one of the greatest predictors of student success. So I don't see um, virtual learning or distance long-term as a good solution. I see it as a good option, but schools by nature are social. And they become potent when they're so. That's why before the pandemic, nobody ever thought to make public schools around the world virtual because we're creatures of, 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 of we're social creatures. So I don't see right. this like Ford would see it or IBM because schools are profoundly different. Um, I do believe we have to maintain a virtual option for those students who tended to thrive under this system if public schools want to retain kids. Uh, but long term, we get schools work best with human to human connection and producing that warm, social, professional and learning environment. Yes, sir. Great, great. So do you have any uh, closing comments, Dr. Anthony, uh, as it relates to, you know, in, in anything? Do you have any closing comments and give your contact info as well? And how can people support your efforts? Sure. Um, my closing argument or message would be is that this is a very um, troubled but exciting time at the same time um, with so much political turmoil, economic, social, um, uh, gender. Um, people are, are tired of being marginalized and they want to be seen. Yeah. They want to be heard. Nobody wants to be discriminated against because of my sex or my skin color or how much money I'm. We're seeing even people are fighting back against Wall Street. We're ganging up on hedge funds. This is the time that America has to live up to her creed or be relegated to a second tier nation. Um, the mm. terms conversations and I mean, they can placate people with Black Lives Matter emails and, you know, letting them wear a message on their basketball jersey. People aren't buying that stuff anymore. They're tired of being placated and patronized. And if, you're, yeah. if you truly believe that all men and women are created equally and that they're endowed by their creator with certain rights, this is the time for that to come into fruition. And you get a chance to see some of that in your lifetime. If you're a person who's engaged in what I call, uh, in my book, Overcoming the Achievement Gap Trap, functional hypocrisy, 
the comfort between saying one thing but actually behaving in a different way to talk about learning for all students and we want every those are all nice ideas that most people don't like living up to because if you fight equality then somebody has to give up privilege somebody has to give up an advantage mm. so Yes, America sir. and most of the developed world has backed themselves into a corner where people are expecting them to live up to their stated creed. Upheaval. We're seeing unrest. I think we're on the precipice of something great. If you want to live in that kind of world. If you don't, you're a dying breed. And I would encourage those yeah. in leadership to be on the right side of history when the dust settles. Greetings, leaders. Thank you so much for enjoying another episode of Leadership Is Podcast with our special guest, Dr. Anthony Muhammad, CEO of Frontier 21 Consulting. We discussed today as far as uh, the COVID-19 and school growth. And one of the things he talked about with this COVID-19 as it is a tragedy, he called it actually uh, the uh, equal opportunity disruptor. And with this equal opportunity disruptor, which is better known as a tragedy, right? Uh, he stated that um, tragedies reveal who you are. Tragedies reveal who you are. It's how you accommodate, you know, it's how you respond during a tragedy, which really reveals who you are. And he was saying that once this tragedy is over, once this pandemic is over, uh, don't just wink at, you know, what was revealed to you and then just sweep it under the rug. He says, but it's really an opportunity for you to deal with what you see as a leader. And so uh, I think that that was an excellent perspective for not only school leadership, but all leadership. So thank you so much, Dr. Anthony Muhammad, for that. Also, JM Leadership Development's primary goal is to develop next generation leaders to leave the bench, embrace the growth mindset towards leadership and step up to the plate. If you would like for us to do virtual assessment trainings or presentations for your hidden leaders or keynote your next event, contact us for a free half hour conversation at info at jmleadershipdevelopment.com. Visit our website, www.jmleadershipdevelopment.com or call us at 828-333-7234 and we will respond promptly. Please subscribe to this podcast using Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts using Jason A. Muhammad slash Leadership Is. Please follow us on social media. Twitter is at LeadershipJM. Facebook and Instagram is JM Leadership Development. And always remember, leadership is influence and service. Are you promoting the right people into leadership positions? How do you know? How do you measure the outcomes and are they the outcomes you're looking for? Please visit www.jmleadershipdevelopment.com. Again, www.jmleadershipdevelopment.com and request a half hour conversation to assess if we can address your leadership development needs. Oh, and by the way, 
always remember that leadership is influence and service.